Welcome to Bear Books Podcast. I'm Daisy Ray. And I'm April Berry. This is the podcast that introduces indie authors to their readers. Together, we're looking for our next favourite author. Welcome along to episode eight of season two of the Bear Books Podcast. Do you know this is our last author review of this season already? It's gone really, really quickly this season, don't you think? It's gone very, very quickly. I mean, I know we've got something coming up next week. Bit of a bonus episode. We'll tell you all about that later. Tell everybody about Bernie's book. Yeah, this week we've been reading a book called Complicated Souls by Bernie Hellier. Um, It's a psychological thriller. Life is going well for newly qualified counsellor Kira Devlin. Toby Phoenix is a troubled man haunted by memories of his abusive childhood. When their worlds collide, a series of disastrous events are set in motion. Convinced that she can help Toby, Kira continues to work with him against the advice of her supervisor, her training and her gut instinct, leading to dire consequences. Complicated Souls is a novella. It can be read in two or three hours. I've got to say that's as long as it took me to read it, predominantly because I didn't put it down once I started it. But be aware, it's by no means a light read. It's got some hard-hitting content in it. It deals with things like child abuse, suicide, murder, and quite strong language. It does. And I have to say, I am a fan. I really enjoyed this book. It really appealed to my darker side. It's compelling, isn't it? It's a really good read. It's a brilliant read. So let's have a chat with Bernie then now, shall we? Yes, can't wait. So today we're talking to Bernie Hellier about her book, Complicated Souls which was an excellent read from my point of view. So thank you so much for joining us, Bernie. Thank you. We'd love you to introduce yourself in your own words. Tell us about you as a person or you as a writer. What inspires you? Okay, if I tell you a little bit about myself, my name's Bernie Hellier. I've been married to my husband, John, for 27 years. We've got two grown-up children. I was born and bred in Wales, worked with children most of my life. And then in my 40s, I trained as a counsellor, predominantly children, but I've also worked with teenagers and and adults. I play the violin badly. (laughs) Um, I sing in a rock choir, but at the moment I can't because of COVID. And I've got three cats and a crazy fox red labrador called woody <laughs> how excellent is that you are so talented thank you <laughs> well we should have had you on playing violin <laughs> the rock choir that i'm interested in well anybody can join <laughs> i couldn't carry no. a tune if it had a handle <laughs> yeah, no i'd empty the room i once did karaoke yeah. and empty the pub most people in rock choir will say i can't sing or i'm not a singer yeah but it's amazing, a collective sound together. It's like when you're playing an orchestra. Collectively, it's, it's that gestalt thing, isn't it? The sum is greater than, than the individual parts, you know? My voice isn't brilliant. I'm no great singer. But it's just that enjoyment of doing something with a group of people that sounds half decent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought good voices were built into the Welsh. <laughs> yeah, I should say all, all the Welsh have got good voices. Yeah. <laughs> That would work and we would believe that. (laughs) So your love of stories and your imagination, where does that stem from, Bernie? Okay, well, from from my late father. He was a natural storyteller from a very, very young age. I can remember him telling me stories, all of the traditional fairy stories. He would do all of the voices, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk, he would do the actions. 
But then as I got a little bit older, he would read me, well, when I say read, he wouldn't read them. He would tell me the stories. He would tell them from his memory, which made it even more special. He would tell me Oliver Twist and Moby Dick, um, the little match girl. I grew up in quite a poor council estate, so there wasn't really much money for books. So I loved having these stories told to me. Um, when my own children were born, he created a character called Pixie. I would say an imaginary character, but to them, Pixie was very real and would leave chocolate in the garden for them and they would leave notes for Pixie. <laughs> so basically, my love of stories and my imagination comes from memories as a child, really, of having stories told to me over and over again. How wonderful is that? Yeah, that's amazing. It is a special gift to leave with somebody, isn't it? Yes, definitely, 100%. It is. And I'm, I'm glad he did, because, I mean, obviously, I'm going to just reiterate what Daisy said. I absolutely loved the book. Yeah. There was a twist. It was inspiring. It was easy to read. I'm glad you wrote it. Thank you. <laughs> so is the fact that you're a counsellor then, is that the reason you chose to write a psychological thriller as your genre? No, I think it's my love of psychology. I think the psychology came first. Um, the psychology came before becoming a counsellor, my love of psychology. I did my degree in psychology. I've always been interested in the human mind and human behaviour. And I think we write what we can relate to. Yeah. I think it's probably the only adult genre that I, I could possibly write. I, I can't imagine being able to write a fantasy or a science fiction book. Although having said that, my children's books are science fiction fantasy and magic so but I think we write I think we write what we know and what we enjoy yeah yeah maybe it's because you're writing with a different audience in mind too for children's books yeah maybe yeah definitely I can't ever imagine writing science fiction I just wouldn't know where to start whereas with with a psychological thriller that just seemed to come more natural to me then yeah yeah So what actually inspired the writing then, Bernie? Was it your dad and the stories or was it something else? I've always enjoyed writing. Um, I wrote poems as, as a teenager. I always kept a diary. I enjoyed that sort of cathartic, writing things down on paper. Um, as a young adult, when my children were quite young, I wrote short stories. And then sort of life got in the way and I was busy re raising my own children and working. And then in 2018, I finished work, which gave me the time then to put my energy into not just writing the books, but learning how to format books and how to get the books from a piece of paper and onto the great Amazon. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was really basically finishing work in 2018 that inspired me to, to do something with these stories that I'd half started and half finished <laughs> well that's a definite way to fill your time to the best possible use well definitely I mean <laughs> you can you can sit maudling can't you or you can do something yeah. productive with your time and for me that's that's a no-brainer <laughs> that's very very true very true and so getting more into the serious side of this book then because it is quite a serious subject that you've written about with child abuse in there. And mm -hmm. historically, and in very simplistic terms, um, abused children tend to either pass on the hand that they've been dealt or 
overcome that and determined to beat it and strive for happiness but either way it's a dark and it's a tragic way of life was it easier to write a novella rather than a novel to keep from getting in too deep what was your thinking there okay if I just break that question into the the two strands that that are there I would say it's a common misconception that the majority of children who are abused to go on to uh, reciprocate that abuse and to become abusers instead themselves and I think that's um, can also be quite a stigmatizing view although it yeah. is a really common view my personal be- belief is that children are really really resilient far more resilient than than many adults and as a counsellor especially I believe that everybody's capable of healing given the right support yeah. and able to move on from it and I think you know studies have been done that show that um, the majority of people who've been physically abused or sexually abused do not go on to themselves become abusers. So if I, if I can just say that just from the outset. No, that's wonderful to hear. It really is. Okay. Um, and th- the other thing then, for novella or novel, this is, um, I mean, it was quite difficult writing the, the uh, abusive scenes. I cried writing some of them and some of them stayed with me for a few days, even though they were completely fictional scenarios, they were still difficult to write. And I was empathising with Toby myself when I was writing those those scenes. As for why it was a novella, I sort of looked into this. And to be classified as a novel, really you have to have 40,000 words. And mine was just shy of 30,000. And I thought, well, the story is told. So I've got a choice. I can go back and pad it out. Then it's, it's a conventional book. And I did ask on online forums, you know, what I should do. And some people said, pad it out, make it a novel, you know, put in another 15,000 words. And I thought, it's not going to really add to the story. I'm, mm. I'm not a flowery writer. The story was told and the story was finished as far as I was concerned. And then I thought back to some of the novellas that, that I already knew, um, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens and um, Of Mice and Men, you know, brilliant stories, but they weren't confined to be in a specific length. So in the end, I just thought, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I can get it out there if I do it now. Yeah. Whereas if I try to write another X amount of words, it might it might never get published. <laughs> so that was the thinking behind it. Was, it was doing it to please myself, really, in yeah. doing a novella rather than pleasing the norm of, of what my book should look like. <laughs> No, that makes perfect sense. And also what you were saying there about should you put another 15,000 words in or whatever, if that's what you tried to do, you run the risk also of it sounding more contrived because you're trying to force the story longer rather than it being your natural story the way you wanted to tell it. I agree with what you said there. The story was told. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm wondering if that's the reason why I liked it so much. I kind of yo-yoed feeling sorry for Toby in some respects. And then I started to think he was a bit manipulative. And then obviously, as we got towards the end, all is revealed. But I really liked the fact that it was just telling me the story and there were no flowery bits in it. And for me, it was just right. That's really good to hear because when my husband first read it, he said, oh, describe everything. And I said, what, what do you mean, describe everything? And he said, well, we'll des- you know, describe every room that they're in or describe what they look like. And I was thinking, you know, I did describe some things in the book, some things needed a description, 
but I don't see the point of just describing things purely for the purpose of describing things. I think the strength of the story is the actual story itself. Mm. I'm, I'm not a brilliant writer. I think it was a decent story and it works. Some people have commented to me that they haven't read a book in years and they enjoyed reading this because it was so simple to read. And I think my style is quite simplistic. Yeah. It was about the information that was being passed, which was driving the story forward. Yes, definitely. That's so refreshing to hear. So I can't wait to play that bit back to my husband. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing about writing it the way that you do write it is because you were like leading me on this story and about all of the emotions, this side of my brain is like following along behind, making up all the images for me because you didn't dictate them. So it let my imagination run riot with it, which I really liked. I really enjoyed it. Well, that wasn't intentional. That's just my my writing style. I'd I'd love to say, oh, yes, that's exactly what I intended to do. But then my nose would be growing and we'd be telling the story of Pinocchio. Um, I think it's just my writing style. You know, I just bang it out. And once it's on the paper, then I might play around with it and make sure that it all fits together. But I don't see the point of superfluous detail. Are any of the characters or the situations based in real life, did you use your psychotherapy side of your life to help you write the story or is absolutely everything from your imagination? I was very careful to not use anybody that could have, any of the characters in my book. I was very careful that no past clients would be able to identify themselves within those characters. So all the characters are completely fictional. Some of the place names in the books are real. For example, Mumbles is a lovely little village which juts out into the sea at the end of edge of Swansea. So that's a real place. And some of the restaurants are real, even though I moved their location. I, I think when we create something, we have to start with a base, don't we? So we... Yeah. If I asked you now, for example, to create um, an imaginary animal, you may say it's got eight legs and three heads. Well, in order to create that animal, you'd need to know in the first place what a head looks like and what a leg looks like. I suppose each character is an amalgamation of hundreds and thousands of people that I've come across in my lifetime, but not based on any particular people. Um, I was very, very careful not to do that because obviously that would be awful wouldn't it if somebody that I counseled in the past said oh I recognize myself in that character so all of the scenes were purely fictional scenes very wise yeah I mean like I said before I was sort of yo-yo between feeling sorry for Toby to think he was manipulative but in the end obviously I was devastated for him you plumped for quite an untraditional ending Bernie I mean I loved it absolutely (laughs) understanding happiness closure everything eluded him that's quite unconventional so was that intentional in your writing style and is that part of your personality unconventional well I'm glad that you yo-yoed with your view of Toby because that's what I wanted I wanted the reader to swing between feeling sympathy for him and rooting for him to mistrusting him and doubting him and wondering whether he was a monster I've never actually been called unconventional before, so that, that's a new one to me. I mean, I, I take it. <laughs> I think I'm pretty conventional, you know, but I do do my own thing as well. So I suppose I've contradicted myself there. Uh, the, the ending of the book, my daughter, who's 23, said, oh, ma'am, you can't have that ending. <laughs> and I said, why? And she said, it's just, just not, not done. It's not satisfactory for the reader. So she gave me a few 
different endings, which obviously I can't say now, otherwise it would spoil the, the book for anybody who hasn't read it. Um, but we talked about a few different scenarios. I just didn't like any of them. And I I, I wanted the ending that, that I did use in the book because it's less predictable than, it's not what you're expecting. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the book to have a less predictable ending. And I think it gives the, the feeling of evil greater power at the end of the book. It's a good incentive for the listeners to read it. It absolutely just fit. I mean, Kira. Kind of what inspired her? Because you did sidestep sort of any obvious clues in the book about her personality. And again, don't want to spoil the story for for people that have not finished it. But I suppose there were a few subtle clues at the beginning of the book, especially while she was in training. But just talk to us about her character. Okay. um, Kira is depicted as your typical girl next door. She's an intelligent character. She's she's very likeable, which... Her colleagues on the course appear to like her. She's attractive. That's that's described in the story. Um, but as you say, there's lots of clues to both Toby and to Kira throughout the book about their characters. People have said to me that they've had to reread the book once they've got to the ending and they know the ending. They've had to reread it to check that everything made sense. <laughs> I purposely wrote a lot of ambiguous statements for both Toby and for Kira along the way. And once you know the ending and you go back and read it again, then it makes more sense to you, I think. Yeah. So I, pur- I purposely had to be quite evasive about both of those characters. Otherwise, the ending would have been given away right from the beginning. Am I talking in riddles? (laughs) It makes sense to us because we've read it too. So for listeners, once you've finished listening to this, go read it and then come back and listen again. (laughs) Yeah, and then go and read the book again. Yeah. Yeah, we're going round in a circle. You do main characters. I love them. They hooked me in completely. And the story, it practically raced across the pages. It was taking me with it and I didn't want to put it down. It was such a compulsive read. You also left it wide open. So my imagination is in overdrive. Will there be a sequel? Okay, well, it's lovely to hear that you you raced through the pages. I did specifically want to write a book which was readable because lots of people have said to me oh I used to read and then I stopped reading and they haven't got time to read or other things get in the way. I purposely wrote very short chapters so that you can only you only have to read a little bit at a time and I don't know if you noticed but I was told to use font size 12 so I thought well I'll use 14 so it makes it just a bit easier on the eye to read as well. Um, So the the chapters were very short choppy chapters which I hoped would encourage people to just keep going then, to just keep, oh, just one more chapter, just one more chapter. As for a sequel, I I would like to write a sequel, but I think once you've read that last, I don't, don't even want to talk about the characters too much, but once you've read that very last chapter, so many more questions are opened up that if I wrote a prequel, then it, it would make a lot more sense. I agree, the end of the book leaves, more questions than answers (laughs) so I think I probably end up writing a prequel and then a sequel okay well I'm happy to have another two that's fine yeah (laughs) I never kind of sort of thought about a prequel I was just thinking I want to know what happens with this next person 
Isn't it hard to talk about it without talking yeah, about it? Is. It's really difficult. It is really, it's, really difficult. It is like talking in code, isn't it? And anybody who reads the book will will know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> yeah. What's next then for you as a writer? The prequel or the sequel, or are they going to both come out together? Well, I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> I've just released a children's book called Eli the Dream Traveller which is about a little boy who he's got such a strong imagination. He actually astrally projects. So his name is Eli Jasper Totcorn, which is actually an anagram of astral projection, which means <laughs> when the soul leaves the body. Um, so quite a scary concept for children, but I hope I've, I hope I've done it well so that it's not scary, but it's exciting and intriguing for children so that's just come out and I'm currently in the middle of getting a book called Twinkle Toes out so Twinkle Toes is she's um, a fairy with a difference her feet light up when she's angered and only children and animals can see Twinkle Toes and she she doesn't like the bad guys so this first book is Twinkle Toes and the Burglar so that that should be out before Christmas and then I'll go back to my my adult books then <laughs> I've had a quick look at Eli and his, his travel bucket list is he's about the same as mine so I'm going with him I'm, I'm glad you've had a little look at Eli I do like <laughs> the illustrations as well I yes. thought they were really nice and engaging and colourful and bright I found a fantastic illustrator. Um, he's only a young man called Alessandro Petrozelli. His work is just incredible. He brings Eli to life. So I'm glad you got to read it anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Where can we find you online and le- learn more about you as a writer? I'm only on Facebook, actually. And if you type in Bernie's Books, <laughs> a very creative uh, title there, isn't it? Just Bernie's Books. It does what um, it says on the tin. Yeah, it does what it says on the tin. There's a page called Bernie's Books, which has, has got Complicated Souls and Eli the Dream Traveller and my up-and-coming books. They're all on there. That's just perfect. There will be a link to that in the show notes for everyone that's listening. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us, Bernie. You're an absolute delight. The book was second to none. It's been one of my favourites this entire season. To hear that that you've enjoyed it, and I can see that you both are genuine, it, it makes it worthwhile publishing it. If even just one person says, oh, I really enjoyed reading that. And thank you both for doing this podcast. It's the first time I've done a podcast. Thank you for talking about the book with us. And thank you for writing the book that we enjoyed so very much reading. Oh, thanks for having me. I've totally enjoyed this. That's been great. Thank you. Thanks ever so much. Wasn't Bernie an absolute joy to talk to today? She was actually, yes. She was very much like a book, weren't she? Yes, you you can tell she's a natural storyteller. She flows when she's talking. A couple of things that I took from the book. One of them I mentioned in the interview, and there was parts of the book where I thought Toby was coming across as manipulative, other parts of the book where I kind of sort of felt really sorry for him. I got no idea that Kira was who she turned out to be. Would that be classed as a spoiler? Are we giving anything away there, do you think? I don't know if we are. I don't know if we are giving anything away there. I mean, the two main characters were enthralling. Yeah, they hook you in right from the very beginning. Absolutely and totally. Really enjoyed both of them. I like that they were that they were a good age to have some life experience and to be believable. And I like that they were completely separate entities until they, their lives came together in the book. 
It was just fascinating. I love the way it was short, choppy chapters. So if you did want a break, you only had a page or two before you could put it down and go for a wee and come back and read the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom break, comfort break, dear, comfort, comfort break. break. Comfort break, dear. Yeah. And there was just enough detail in that book to keep you interested and intrigued. Some very, very emotive subjects, some controversial yeah. stuff in there. It is quite um, deep. It, you know, there are some triggers in there, so do be aware of that. When we were talking previously, I was saying to you that when you watch a movie, you've got all that detail and all that action in an hour and a half. Well, this book takes two to three hours to read tops. So for me, it was like having an evening's entertainment, but in book form, except you have the added joy of having your imagination working overtime and building those characters and those pictures and those scenarios in your head while Bernie takes you along on the story with her written words. It's funny, actually, because you're talking about it being a sort of an evening's entertainment and a movie. As we were talking to Bernie, and it's something that I didn't mention, but I think it's got the makings of a psychological movie. Every character that was in that book added to the story and help build the story to its conclusion. I've got enough of an imagination to be able to put bits in. Yeah, it's like she hasn't babied us through it. She hasn't felt the need to build every single scene for us. She's taken it for granted that her readers are intelligent beings, and she's told her story and let us do the rest. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. And there was lots of things to sort of that you could paint around. I mean, everybody knows what a VW Beetle looks like. So you can imagine Kira getting in and out of a VW Beetle. You don't need to be told. Yeah. I think I'm going to say for me that it's the best book I've read this season. Ooh, already? You're making that judgment call? I'm kind of making that judgment call already, I think. So I'm kind of putting it out there. Wow. I have a very definite top three. Mm, I've got a top three. Love you. Um, and knowing me and you, I think they're going to be very different top threes. Well, we are very different people. We read different styles of books and we've got very, very different personalities. I'm the nice one. <laughs> right, moving swiftly on from your sarcasm, we have got a bonus podcast next week. We had an email pop into the submissions box and it was something which just grabbed my interest as, as I read through the email. Did a little bit of research and we reached out to the author of the email and we have this author on our podcast next week as a bonus episode before the season finale. We do. She has written a poetry book and it's called Chard, A Survivor Speaks Her Truth to Inspire. We've had a chat with the author, Andrina Leanne, already. It's a deep-hitting subject that she covers in her poetry book. I'll just read you a little bit to give you a bit of a picture. There is a strong correlation between childhood trauma and mental health issues. This is from Andrina herself. She says, I suffer with PTSD and depression and use poetry to write honestly about the multitude of issues I have experienced in my 39 years. I've found writing to be hugely therapeutic while I recognise the value of professional therapy. My poetry has helped me to come to terms with some of these issues. So we are delighted to have Andrina coming on our bonus episode 
to talk about the book, to talk about how it's helped her. And hopefully, if you are inspired by Andrina and her words, it might help you too. We're going to get Andrina to read out some of the poems that she's written from the book. Daisy and I are going to pick a couple of ones that have that mean something to us. Yeah. And we're going to get Andrina to read those out as well. And let's just tackle some of these subjects that are maybe sometimes a bit taboo. Yeah, I agree. See you next week with our bonus episode. Take care. We have been Daisy Ray and April Berry. Come share your opinions about the podcast, our authors and their books on Instagram and Facebook at Bear Books Podcast or Twitter at Bear Books Pod One. Submit your book for a possible future review to submissions at barebooks.co.uk or if you've got any queries or any comments, email them to contact us at barebooks.co.uk. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can find him on Instagram at dadnap.mp3. And if you like what we do here, subscribe and share. Thanks for listening. Thank you.